Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude. I'm Mario Francisco Robles. And I'm Brett Miro. And this is episode 149 of the Fanboy Podcast. Brett, what have you been watching or playing this week? Oh, you just want to get right to dancing right just, away, don't you? That's it. I want to, I want to make right. him dance. Um, so uh, we're recording this a, a little earlier than we normally do, so there hasn't been that much time between the last recording <laughs> and this one. So actually, uh, I just finished, right before sitting down to record this, the Uncharted movie uh, starring Tom Holland and Mac Wahlberg. All right. And uh, I'm here to tell you that it was okay. It was okay. It was I, okay. I have a question, actually, because yeah. <clears throat> I've literally never seen Tom Holland play anything but Peter Parker. Uh, I've never seen any of his other non-Spider-Man <laughs> movies. How is Tom Holland in a film that is not a Spider-Man film? Yeah, he's fine. I mean, the, the script like leaves a little to be desired, um, but like... He just seemed like a like a less uh, maybe like a more confident Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, that's like, what I was gonna he, ask. Like, he, he wasn't he as like goofy no and was? like okay. and like unsure of himself. Like he was. Yeah. He definitely was like a more like a determined character, and like I I I feel like he tried to make his voice like a little deeper, kind of like and not like a lot deeper, like, but uh, stuttering. Yeah, it, okay. it wasn't so. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like yeah. it was more. It was more like oh my god! Oh crap! Like it was a little more. <laughs> oh, it was wow, a little more. The range on that performance. The range crazy. on him. Let me tell you. Um. So I mean, that's the best way to put it. So listen, yeah. it, the movie itself is fine. The script is not is not fantastic. Um. You know, it definitely. Uh. I'm a huge fan of the games, yeah. and it definitely pulled like a little bit of like lore from like there's something probably a little bit pulled or like modified from each game for some of the set pieces yeah. so there were cute little nods like that um i mean i i don't know if i should I'm not, is it a spoiler if i tell you like a couple little cute little things no, i don't know be aware if you want to see the movie and you want to go completely uh you know uh have no idea about anything yeah. then i guess maybe like wait and fast forward a little bit <laughs> but um they had like uh i did notice like he opened like a little like uh his little trunk that he had a bunch of little trinkets in and postcards from his like missing brother and uh when he opened it i saw a naughty dog sticker like for the, the studio mm -hmm. that developed the games so i was like okay cool yeah. there was also a little cameo by nolan north who is the voice of oh, nathan drake in yeah, the games um yeah. and he had a couple of lines and a little exchange and it was you know whatever it was like all right cool and um you know mark Wahlberg, uh the casting for him uh as sully is kind of like weird originally a yeah. long time ago there was when this movie was in development for like forever there yeah. was a version where mark Wahlberg was going to star in it as nathan drake but now he ended up playing uh sully uh the mentor in this one and tom holland obviously took let me the nathan drake role. Honestly, since yeah. you are a fan of the games like is the fact that Nathan, who's supposed to be more like a Mark Wahlberg type, is played more like you know a little skinny pipsqueak type. Uh, does that like did that upset you at all? Did that casting kind of like does that throw the whole thing off? Does it change it, or did you not? I mean, that? it's a younger Nathan Drake. They kind of it's like almost like his like first like mission out kind of yeah. uh, not even a mission. He's not like a soldier or anything. <laughs> Whatever his first yeah. adventure. So like yeah. it kind of works. He's really Nathan Drake <clears throat> looks wise and attitude wise is modeled heavily off of Nathan Fillion. Um, and funny yeah. enough, a few years back, Nathan Fillion made like, well, someone made one and he was in it and they did like a little like short, like uncharted, like short movie. Wow. And 
I was like, oh my god, just please make just make the movie with Nathan Fillion because like he is Nathan Drake. Like uh, like yeah. that character was a hundred thousand percent modeled there for him. Like the look yeah. and everything. He's like a bigger dude, you know. Um, yeah. So listen, for that, it, it works. Uh, honestly, uh, Mark Wahlberg cast as Sully is a is a bigger distraction to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, there is like a there are actually two. There's a mid credit scene and a post credit scene. Um, oh, and boy. in the post credit scene. Uh, Sully shows up in it and he has the more classic look. He has grown a mustache. He has the Hawaiian shirt on and uh, Tom Holland ends up tossing him a cigar because in the games you always see him in a Hawaiian shirt. He's got the big mustache ah. and he has a cigar. So like they kind of like threw that in. So I'm assuming yeah. they're going to make a sequel because they left it off like a little cliffhanger post credit thing. Mm-hmm. So listen, it, it was fun. Um, Ruben Fleischer uh, directed it, so he actually directed the first Venom movie, and uh, he decided and not Zombieland, to do Venom two, which I and Zombieland, it. and I believe he decided not to do Venom two to go do mm-hmm. this, and uh, it, probably the better choice. But you know, it yeah. was just like it was like a pretty run of the mill uh, action action flick. Um, okay, you know, some nice set pieces. It was fun. It was a fun gotcha. little little romp, but it was like you know Indiana Jones light, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so. I mean that—that that is kind of the the charm of the that series, right? You get to kind of do your Indiana Jones type of adventure game, you know. Yeah, and I should also mention, actually, I, I just totally forgot. I also did uh, a few days ago watch Sonic the Hedgehog two. Um, oh, so and yeah. what's the scoop on that? So the scoop is that um, <clears throat> that movie. I I almost feel even more so than the first one is it, it is a kids movie through and through a kids family uh. movie. It very much caters towards children. So I it's not don't expect like the Pixar thing where there's like a lot of great stuff for adults in it too. Yeah. Like so it it really is made for kids. Um yeah. and uh you know that said, movie's very fun. Uh the relationship between Sonic and Tails is actually done really well and it's like really cute and you actually care about them. Um and uh Idris Elba is really fun as Knuckles. Uh Jim Carrey is Jim yeah, that's Carrey. my big one. Is Jim awesome? Yeah. That's all I need to know. Do I get he's wacky and silly? Jim Carrey. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's like full <laughs> epic, but like he he's definitely like he's doing his thing. Again, yeah. the script is such like uh, it's so focused on young children that like you know there's just not like really any nuance to anything. Everything's very on the nose and played for gags and laughs and slapsticky. Um, yeah. There's also, and this one I, I won't spoil because I feel like some people still want to see Sonic. There is a really cool uh, fan, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like a fan moment at the end of the movie. So yeah. like that was kind of cool. Uh, and you, you might expect it just based on the plot of the movie, but like it was yeah. cool to see. So a nice uh, fun fan moment. And yeah, but overall, you know, it, it was too long. It was two hours long. It could have been 90 minutes. It did not need to be two hours. There's also like, you know, of course, because it's mixed with the real world, they have like this like kind of like small like human subplot and it kind of hits right in the middle of the movie and they spend way too much time on it. And it's it's just a bunch of slapsticky, silly oh, stuff. Yeah. I'm sure kids <laughs> will have a good time with it. And you're but, like, we're not here for the humans. <laughs> yeah. Like, spoiler and, alert, and we're here for the uh, hedgehog. And it's like all – I mean, like, there's parts where they're mixed together with, like, Sonic and the humans. But then yeah. there's, like, this whole big segment that, like, felt like it went on forever that had none of the characters. It was just the stupid humans. And I was just mm-hmm. like, all right, like, this didn't even need to be in the movie. Like, yeah. we could have totally left this. Um, so I guess they wanted to continue some threads from the, the first movie with, like, the – kind of like found family kind of kind of aspect of it because sonic's basically like the son to like james marsden and uh i forgot the actress that plays his wife but like that that they kind of do this like family thing you know whatever so 
it's it's a fun movie though. It's cool. There's a nice little teaser for a third one, and uh, we don't know if Jim Carrey is going to be back. It seems like he's retiring from acting, but uh, you know they left it off in a, in a cool spot where they can have a cool villain. And uh, you know, hopefully the third one, maybe they just really relegate the humans to the background and just give me a bunch of CG crazy stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I want to see some yeah. like Sonic, some of the Sonic levels or worlds make an yeah. appearance. Like you know, uh, it's been you did two on Earth already. Now like let's let's get weird with it. Word. Let's go to so, the yeah. Green Hill Zone. I want to go to the casino, yeah. uh, whatever, casino land or whatever it's called. Well, the town <laughs> that they live in is called Green Hills, Mario. Ah, and right. whenever James Marsden gets a phone call, his ringtone is the Green Hill Zone music. It's that. It just oh, does that loop. Awesome. <laughs> which is cool. But they did that in the fr- at the end of the first movie, too. So I was like, all right, you're yeah. really pushing it. You should have threw yeah. something else in there. You know, <laughs> Give me Chemical yeah. Plant Zone. That, that, that. All right. That that music slaps. All right. That's a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> but Mario, yeah, yeah, have yeah. you watched or seen anything great or exciting? Well, as it turns out, right before we recorded this, I saw the finale of season five of Better Call Saul. So now I'm halfway to being caught up. Now I got to watch season six. But season five ends on like a crazy cliffhanger. No, I'm not going to spoil anything in case people are still making their way through Saul. But just like it literally it ended. And then I walked here into the garage to record with you. So I'm still very much thinking about how season five ended. And uh, I'm very anxious for my main characters as we go into season six. My wife and I just gave us, gave each other a lot of what the hell's going to happen now kind of faces. <laughs> so I always like when a show can do that. But most importantly, the thing that I have seen since we last recorded, well, Brett, I saw it with you. Last night, we oh, saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We on did, IMAX, we did. Which was actually pretty spectacular. Um, so I figure up here at the front of the show, figure we can kind of lay some non-spoiler thoughts on our listeners and, and then towards the end of the show, since there is not going to be a Superman and Lois to review, since there's not a Moon Knight to chat about, we'll go long form with full spoilers on Doctor Strange 2. But for now, uh, Brett, what did you think of Doctor Strange 2 in a non-spoiler fashion? Right. So, um... There's uh, a lot to love in this movie. Uh, That said, I did feel like the movie was a little all over the place. Some of the editing was quite jarring. Um, I also should mention that um, it sure as hell is a Sam Raimi movie through and through for better or for worse. You know, I mean, because if you're like a huge Sam Raimi fan, then you got a lot of Sam Raimi style, um, you know, shots and and. uh, and, and just the way like scenes were like played out and like the way it was set. So you got that. So it, it, your mileage may vary depending on how big of a Sam Raimi fan you are. Um, I really appreciated. Uh, there are a lot of horror elements to it, which like I had remember hearing about, but like I didn't expect to be so, um, so many. And I actually, yeah. that was probably some of my favorite parts of the film uh, were some of those horror elements. Like those were done just really really good and it just made it give the movie a much different feel than like any other marvel film uh that said you know as a whole it was it probably could have been cut down a little bit it was like two i think it was two hours so it wasn't like three hour movie but probably could have shaved a little time off that um Mm -hmm. some and some of the threads i felt like kind of fell a little flat here and there with some characters and just because they were like there was a lot of bouncing around um there were some some really cool surprises in it, which we'll talk about later. Uh, overall, I mean, I'd yes. probably give the film maybe like a six out of ten, seven out of yeah. ten, maybe 
somewhere in there. If I can go mm-hmm. a 6.5, if we're going to do decimals, maybe that's where I land. <laughs> yeah. So there, there was a lot of stuff I liked, a lot of stuff that I was just kind of like, okay. And, um, you know, I, th- I think I liked it better than the first Doctor Strange film. So mm-hmm. what do you think? Yeah. <clears throat> For me, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was a whopping pretty good. Uh, I didn't love it. Uh, I definitely didn't even come close to hating it. I was probably with it. I was enjoying it through most of it. But somewhere there along the way, as we got towards the end, I kind of just started losing the vibe a little bit. It got a little kind of silly and overblown. And and there were some very kind of like obvious villain tropes going on there towards the end. Like how long? Oh, I don't want to get into spoilers. That's for later. Yeah. But there's stuff where like the villain <clears throat> seemingly is taking forever to finally do the one thing they've wanted to do the whole movie. And they're giving the hero more than enough time to come and try to mount a comeback to stop that thing from happening. So, you know, so towards the end there, it gets a little kind of silly and it gets a little too like MacGuffin heavy, but I need this mystical item that I'm going to name 17 times as I talk about it. (laughs) And no, now I need this special item that I'm going to keep mentioning over and over again so the audience can remembers it also. Like towards the end there, it just started getting a little, I'm like, okay, let's wrap this up. I see where we're going. Let's just, let's just get there, you know? So overall, I thought it was pretty good. I'm going to go into much more detail later on. But yeah. for now, honestly, yeah, I, I'm probably in the same range as you, like a six or a seven out of 10. Probably, and I can't, I can't hit the seven. Maybe six point five out of ten. Yeah, it was uh, it was just a whopping pretty good. So uh, okay, we'll we'll circle back to that later when we can really kind of let loose. But for now, <clears throat> it is time to get into your Superman on film update for May the eleventh of two thousand and twenty-two. Uh, this is going to be an old-fashioned one, folks, because this time around we're back to having nothing to report i've been checking (laughs) i've been listening i've been keeping my ears low to the ground and there has been no further developments no rumors that i find particularly credible or worth discussing with you in the last week or so so as of now superman on film remains sort of in stasis in limbo just waiting for the next big update but i'm still kind of riding a high from last week when it sounded like toby emmerich was giving uh, frosty the impression that progress is being made along with what we heard two weeks ago that david zaslav from discovery feels like superman and other a-list characters have been left to languish and are are in need of revitalization so you know i'm just kind of writing the high of like something is coming down the pike it feels sooner for once rather than later up until now it's been later uh so something's coming and uh but for now unfortunately there's nothing new to discuss but there are a couple of things in the world of dc on film that are worth discussing including one that uh amazing listener chris roach who uh had us come to the kip moore concert a couple weeks ago he wanted us to chime in on this interesting little juicy rumor that arrived in the last few days did you hear this one brett that uh warner brothers was apparently looking to replace ezra miller and they were looking at that dylan what's his name the guy dylan o'brien Dylan O'Brien, possibly, to replace uh, Ezra Miller. And that rumor came courtesy of Screen Geek. And uh, even just full stop, as soon as I saw the source, I went, mm, I'm not so sure about that. I've never, right. you know, <laughs> I'm like, Screen Geek, that's not, you know, for, for news like this, I tend to trust the trades. Or if we're going to do a more fanboy type blog ish, 
I suppose I would have like I, I I thought maybe at first it was screen rant. I'm like screen rant I might pay some attention to. Right. But honestly, comicbook.com and ones of that of that sort of size are the ones I listen to. Screen Geek, I'm not so sure about that. So um I just before we get into whether or not it ended up being true, uh do you think that they do you do you think that they should consider recasting? Do you think that like the public relations of these last few months is going to come back to bite them on the press tour? So maybe they want to like transition away from Miller, or is it just the film's been shot? Just keep them, and we'll figure the rest out later. What do you think? Yeah, Mike? I mean, I think if he can stay out of trouble between now and the movie's release next, what July? Or, yeah. um, you know, or no, June, right? June 23rd. It's your birthday. Um, it's my birthday. <laughs> so, I mean, we have like a whole nother year. So if he can stay out of trouble until then, I think it's fine. I think if there's like another incident or something that's like more severe than what's happened already, I think they may want to do something about that. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about reshooting like the entire movie pretty much yeah and then now you have to work schedules and you have keaton back and like you know listen they could do some horrible cgi you know whatever like rush job which would yeah. not be good we've seen that not be good in the past for for lesser things you know for mustaches mm -hmm. so now <laughs> getting someone's face on there for a million scenes yeah. is going to be awkward so i also i don't, I don't know dylan o'brien through uh a hole in the wall i i don't know what is what has he done I don't know. Uh, like the Teen Wolf uh, reboot series on MTV and uh, uh, the Maze Runner, I think. Something like that. Oh, Maze Runner. That's right. That sounds yeah. familiar. Okay. Yeah. So I, don't, yeah. I really don't don't know him as far as like him being like a good replacement or whatever. But um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I think Ezra Miller, uh, they need to get help. And uh, if they can stay out of trouble, I think it's fine. Leave him in just, you know, and then maybe you can do something after the fact. You know, yeah. if it's if it's still like an issue or he's acting erratic or something like that. I, well, guess you know, what, you have right. to imagine. I mean, like, I wonder if other people have seen that on like the studio side in yeah. any interactions they've had where he's been maybe weird or something. Or on I mean, he's other been on enough. They, yeah, he's been yeah. on enough Warner Brothers sets. You'd think he would. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was known for being a, a, a hassle. That reputation would exist by now through, you know, three Fantastic Beast movies, through sure. three different DC things he's been involved with so far. I think, you know, he hasn't developed a reputation really for being a problem. So I feel like it might, that, might, that might be one of the things that's, you know, giving the, the studio the, one of the reasons they're giving him a little leeway. But yeah. uh, as it turns out, Brett, we don't really have to be worrying about this because someone who writes for a publication I very much trust, which is Variety, has chimed in to more or less debunk that rumor entirely. So Variety's Adam B. Vary shared that Warner Brothers is not considering uh, replacing Ezra Miller as Barry Allen on 2023's The Flash. Here's what he said. I'm told that WB is not considering replacing Ezra Miller. Miller was arrested twice in Hawaii this year, once for disorderly conduct and harassment, and again for second-degree assault. So he didn't, you know, he didn't give uh, many more details in that, but just he is, he checked with the studio. They are not looking to replace him at this time. And I tend to trust what they're telling Variety. I don't think Screen Geek suddenly got the scoop that uh, Dylan O'Brien is going to be our next Flash. Sure. Um, and then... The next big DC topic that we should be covering is, uh, well, you won't believe this, Brett. 
But Dwayne Johnson posted an Instagram photo from Black Adam, and you'll never, you'll never believe what is contained within the caption of this post. I'm going to read it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, uh, we should preface this with Black Adam has officially entered their reshoot stage. They're in the, they're, they're doing their couple weeks of reshoots and pickups that is customary on every major blockbuster like this. Uh, he posted a behind the scenes image of himself and his epic looking suit, looking all kinds of epic black Adam, like the way he does just naturally just getting out of bed in the morning. And uh, he, he said the following intense week of production continues as we put the finishing touches on black Adam throughout my career. I've had the privilege of playing some great fun characters over the years, but none speak to my DNA more than this anti-hero known as the man in black Teth Adam rage against the dying of the light. The hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change. <laughs> if I don't find out what this means in this film, I will fucking go to the Warner Brothers lot and I will raise absolute hell. Okay? Like, there better wonder, be yeah. something that happens. It's not just, like, some funny tagline to I, I it probably is just a way of him just saying like you're gonna see i'm real powerful i'm yeah. a real powerful guy i hope that's his voice to it i am black adam i'm, I'm real, real powerful, powerful guy. i'm real powerful uh well look here's the thing a few like remember like a month or so ago we discussed well what is the hierarchy of power in the DC right. universe right like right now if we were to look at who are the centerpiece characters right i still try to figure out like what what is it he's trying to say because i think there's a reason he keeps beating that drum and we do know that the jsa is in this movie right we're going to meet dr fate and hawkman and all these people from the sure. justice society so i have this sense that through the Black Adam movie and with the Flash potentially sort of de-emphasizing the current hierarchy of power. Because to me, the, the current hierarchy of power in the DC universe has always been Batman and his friends. It's Batman and the Justice League, especially right. like these last nearly 10 years of DCEU. It's revolved around core Justice League members and all the spinoffs have been Batman related. So right. the hierarchy of power up to this point has been Batman and pals, you know, Batman and his friends. Yeah. And I, I wonder if maybe, you know, with the Flash potentially sort of de-emphasizing the Justice League and resetting the continuity and Black Adam bringing in the Justice Society and making his, you know, his, his character so sort of central and important, I feel like that's kind of what he's getting at. You know, I, I know we laugh at the phrasing all the time, but I think he's trying to basically prepare us that like once Black Adam comes out and especially when Shazam comes out and then the Flash comes out, we're going to have a real crystal clear sense of what's to come. And by and large, the focus is going to be stuff that's coming out of Black Adam and Shazam. I kind of have a sense that that's what's going on here. You know? Well, I sure hope you are right. <laughs> you're, you're rooting for the hierarchy of power in the DC universe to change, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's the latest from Black Adam. And, you know, we could kind of loosely consider that part of the Superman on film update because he has said in the past that this whole thing has been reverse engineered to get him to fight Superman one day. So that's kind of something this week. Right. Um, now earlier we were talking about Dr. Strange and there's been some interesting stuff 
to discuss this week with the people involved with Doctor Strange. See, I didn't know this, Brett. I didn't know that Michael Waldron, the man who wrote Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, was also a writer on Loki. I didn't know that. But even more than that, yes. I didn't know that this was the guy that Kevin Feige hired to write his Star Wars movie. So now, before we go into what he has said in a you brief... You should also mention, I believe he was also a writer for Rick and Morty. Oh, Which okay. very heavily deals with multiverses. Yeah, yeah, We so just yeah, want to yeah. put that out there because it makes sense why he was brought on to do Doctor Strange. Yeah, and yeah. Possibly why he's involved in this new Star Wars project, but yeah, continue on. And I think, but I, I want to ask you what you think of him being involved with the project. But before I do, I also just want to point out how surprised I was when the credits began to roll after the film. I'm used to a lot of these big blockbusters coming out of Disney and Marvel. I'm used to seeing like six writer credits on there when it says like written right. by and you see just like three different sets of pairs of writers who had a took a hand at this this thing says dr strange multiverse of madness written by michael waldorf so he is like the right. writer of this movie so that surprised me and i think it's sort of worth noting because i don't think that happens very often on movies of this scale especially when we've heard that there have been rewrites and changes and raimi's had to make tweaks you know as per what marvel studios wanted things to be and all that sort of stuff so considering the changes to the film and it's really just been one singular voice on that script I was actually pretty impressed. I'm like, somebody yeah. over there really trusts this guy. And right. then I find out that Kevin Feige hired him to do Star Wars. So I have a feeling Feige's got a real, uh, he's got a real affection for this Waldorf. Right. But before I get into his comments, I want to ask you, now that you've seen his latest, you just sat through arguably the biggest thing Michael Waldorf has been a part of as of yet. And uh, how does knowing that that guy is writing Star Wars. How does that strike you? Yeah, so it's because you know, listen, we we gave it a pretty middling review before for yeah. Doctor Strange <laughs> too. Um, I mean, I think he had to balance a lot of aspects and juggle a lot of crazy stuff. So all that said, I think he did an impressive job. Um, I didn't think like the script was like amazing, you know. Um, yeah. but also I think a lot of what I had an issue with the film had to do with, you know, maybe just Sam Raimi's style a little bit and um, just some of the, and some of the editing. Um, so I can't really blame the writer for that per se. Like, yeah. you know, maybe it could have been edited in a, in a better fashion and that would have like, you know, elevated the writing or made things kind of connect more. Um, he but, certainly you know, wasn't to blame for the wigs. Right. He wasn't to blame for some of the low, yeah, which I should have mentioned that in the non-spoiler part, the production in some aspects was a little, I was like, oh, they're really saving some money here because they got to do a lot of effects. Um, yeah. But, you know, that said, like a big effects driven movie, he had to write and like put all these crazy pieces together in the multiverse and stuff. I think uh, I think that bodes well. He seemed he seems to obviously like enjoy it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, someone that's like probably like a nice sci fi nerd like we are, like if he's, you know, behind writing another a Star Wars uh, film, that yeah. sounds uh, like he's my kind of guy. <laughs> okay. All right. By the way, I think I said his name a few times the incorrect way. It's Michael Waldron. And uh, Michael Waldron uh, recently was, he offered a brief update on this Star Wars movie yes. that he's writing. 
and uh, I'm trying to find it while scrolling and talking to you. So I'm sorry. Because <laughs> um, he, he basically alludes to the fact that they really just finally started on it. It sounds like Doctor right. Strange 2 has really taken up a lot of their focus for obvious reasons. But here yeah. we go. He's, he told Variety, we're finally into it in earnest. I mean, I'm riding away. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying having the freedom on that to do something that's not necessarily a sequel or anything. It maybe has a little bit less of a... It just doesn't have a bunch of TV shows and movies that you're servicing on top of it the way I did with Doctor Strange. So it's nice. It feels like a different exercise. So let's just discuss that for a second. That actually... Yeah. That does instill a little confidence because he's right. You know, it's it's got to be hard to suddenly come into a what's essentially a, a train that left the station 14 years ago with the MCU and to try to like realize, all right, I'm doing the next chapter in this story, but it's related to all this other stuff. So I have to keep my you know, I, have, I have to service sure. all of these masters. And it sounds like with this Kevin Feige deal you know, with the Star Wars movie, it sounds like they're probably it sounds like they're maybe checking out some some unexplored territory a new corner of the star wars galaxy something that's not necessarily skywalker related nothing is not related to poe and ray and finn or anything from the sequel right. trilogy so i do imagine that would free up his creativity uh, cut off the shackles so to speak and allow him to just kind of explore the space if you will um and i guess since i did like loki and I do think Rick and Morty is a bit of genius, then maybe I shouldn't judge him too harshly on Doctor Strange. Maybe I should give him a little vote of confidence. Because honestly, when I read the headline, I was a little, I'm like, after seeing the movie, I'm like, this is the guy? This is yeah. the one? But, you know, I, I'm willing to give him a shot. I'm willing to give him a shot because who knows what he could do again when he doesn't have to service a million masters. Um and also, by the way, I feel like Kevin Feige is kind of leveling up a little bit. I don't know why, but I noticed in the credits for Doctor Strange, I've never really seen this in, in most of the Marvel movies, uh -huh. where Kevin gets like his own spotlight credit in the beginning, where now it says like Marvel Studios presents a Kevin Feige production. I'm like, he got like a big moment. I'm like, Kevin's uh, trying to now throw his weight around a little bit. He used yeah. to be a little more anonymous. He was that guy that like the geeks knew and you'd see him with his baseball cap at the uh, red carpet events. Yeah. But it seems like he's ready to kind of be like, yeah, I'm Kevin Feige. Get used I'm to the it. guy. And, yeah. Now I got Star Wars coming out. Now I'm like, you know, I'm not just the Marvel guy anymore. So yeah. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. I was going to say, it's interesting, you know, because, yeah, like, pretty much all of the Star Wars we have gotten since the Disney acquisition has been tied to something. Like, even, yeah. like, we were talking last week, like, Obi-Wan. Um, yep. Like, when he had that quote where he's like, well, it has to fit into even stuff that happened in the video games. So they yeah. got to write around that. Um, Even the Mandalorian is still obviously linked to Luke and Ahsoka and, you know, mm -hmm. still tied into, you know, to that original trilogy era. Um, yeah. You know, Solo, right, uh, uh, was attached, obviously, to yep. what was going to happen in Episode 4. Rogue One, you know, was tied to, to that, you know, even yep. though that was probably had the chance to be the most separate, but it was still tied to a major event in mm -hmm. A New Hope and still yep. had Vader in it at the end. So I'm wondering, um, you know, obviously a long time ago, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, um, mm -hmm. we had uh, Ryan Johnson was supposed to be working on some new 
trilogy of Star Wars films. This, you know, basically uh, the way I always thought of that was like maybe this is like the reboot or like this is going to be the new, you know, base for you know mm-hmm. a new you know, trilogy or something like that. And obviously, I think that's not happening anymore um, no. because of all the Last Jedi bullshit. And I'm sure just Disney being like, like on everything. Yeah. Now you have Kevin Feige, you know, he wanted to do this. So he's stepping into Star Wars now. You know, he's not going to do something small. So is this the beginning of the new jumping off point for Star Wars? Is this going to define what Star Wars is? You know, maybe we still have all the legacy, you know, spinoffs and things coming out. But this is going to be like the new path forward. Um, The way what I was thinking is, you know, Disney's been pushing pretty hard recently, I think, in the comics and with some novels with this uh, High Republic era. So this is mm. like an unexplored era. It I, ta- I think it takes place even before Knights of the Old Republic. So we're talking like thousands and wow. thousands of years before yeah. anything where they could really like, I mean, I have no doubt they're going to, there's definitely going to be like a Yoda ancestor or something in there. You know what I mean? But like mm. they could really just be detached from all, all of the stuff they've done before. So I wonder if, if this project is going to be, you know, they haven't made any film or TV shows with that era yet. So they're making, yeah. they're investing money in comics and books. You would think, okay, they're probably going to want to like start putting this on film and get well, some honestly, yeah. Work. I mean, and honestly, that's what so I, I really want. What they're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been, I, I've been kind of frustrated by the Disney era of star Wars adhering so closely to the Skywalker saga and yeah. filling in stories that go between those episodes. To me, the big promise of uh, of having all these new filmmakers who can now step into the sandbox created by George Lucas was to see now what can they create. You have the entire Star Wars galaxy. You you can go to any corner of this, explore any facet of this that speaks to you. It doesn't have to connect to anything. And I've been waiting for that. And I remember that's one of the things I loved about Mandalorian at first, that it felt like kind of completely sort of on its own. And that was the one thing that kind of like I didn't love about at the end of season two when Luke was there. I'm like, as much as as excited as I was to see him, there was also that part of me of like, oh, so this is yet another expansion or extension of the Skywalker saga. And it's like, I'm dying for someone to come in with a creative gumption to just create something new that is unrelated to the characters we've seen so far that is set in a different time involving different characters and let's just start a new thing here you know and i i always i feel like one of the best ways they could do that like let's say kevin feige and michael waldron are thinking along the lines of like maybe we start the next big arc the next big story that moves us past the skywalker saga i feel like the way you can message that too is you call this next one you include episode one in the title so people realize oh this is the start of a new story You know what I mean? Because right now, the only episodes we've seen are those nine. If now the next one that comes out in the opening crawl, it's episode one, whatever this story is. I feel like that'll help message. And I think it'll it'll, it'll be kind of cool. It'll signal that now this is the new story that we're following. This is the new mythology, you know? So I hope that I hope it is something new. And uh, yeah. maybe it'll be an episode one, but by and large, I'm dying for them to check out some un- you know, new territory in the Star Wars universe. You could do anything. 
You know, right. you got space pirates and space cowboys and space samurais. Let me get that seven samurai Jedi movie that I've heard people talk about wanting. To right. Make. You know, like, go. Let me get a detective noir film set on a, you know, some play. Like, let's just go. Right. Let's go ape shit in the Star Wars universe. Let's not just let's see what other facet of the Skywalker saga. Can we get a whole two seasons of TV show out of now by right. over explaining? Like, I don't need everything over-explained. I just need good stories, okay? See, one thing I'm thinking, too, is, like, so even if they do this High Republic era, where it's yeah. pretty, it's very far away from everything, I mean, it is still, like, I, as I understand it exists now, it is still lightsabers, it is mm -hmm. still the Jedi Council, but apparently the Jedi are at, like, their peak at this point. So this is, okay. like, a high point for the Jedi, yeah. so there's a lot of them. Um, and, uh, you know, that, listen, they could do a lot of different stuff with the way the technology is with the way they look and costumes. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I think, and they've already shown that in like the illustrations that are available. If you do a quick Google search, you could find some, yeah. some pretty neat stuff. So it's cool. But at the same time, it is still this it's earlier, but it's still the same universe that we've yeah. been in. So there's going to be those recognizable elements. And I think we may have kind of discussed this, or I may have brought this up on like a, a Revengers podcast <laughs> way back when we did those. But how would you feel? And this is to the listeners too, as always, please chime in. How would you feel if like this, you know, and I'll just use the Kevin Feige new project as an example. How would you feel if this was like, maybe there aren't lightsabers, maybe none of it resembles anything that we've had in any star wars prior and it's not even necessarily thousands of years before the skywalker saga or a thousand years later maybe it's just like not even in that part of the galaxy maybe it's a different galaxy and a different universe altogether and they like reboot it like this is star wars now and it looks totally freaking different Ooh. like it's not gonna have like that 80s 70s technology you know uh aspect yeah. the way like the everything kind of looks like a 70s 80s computer in the inside the cockpit <laughs> and stuff maybe yeah. it looks like totally different and we don't have lightsabers and we don't have yodas and like weird little green aliens um and maybe it's just something totally different that's just like this is going to be star wars now this is a new completely new thing like how would you feel about that see that 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 would be too much for me that would be too much for me i, I would not I would star wanna... wars anymore then because it's still yeah. not in that universe but at the like, same time it's like but everyone's complaining everyone's always complaining oh i'm getting too yeah. much same shit and it's like i know but i feel like but if but like a higher public might even be the same shit you know what i mean it just looks, like, look a little different peak you know? jedi thousands of years ago and the technology yeah. was like i feel like you can do the things that that keep it that feels somewhat familiar because like Lucas over those nine episodes trained us on this lure on what it means to be a Jedi and take on a Padawan and the, 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 the what is it? What do they call it? The theory of two, the power of two, whatever, or you have yeah, the, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the emperor. And the, like, I feel like rule we of understand two, yeah. the lore, the rule of two. Thank you. Yeah. We're like, so now just give us new characters in a different era of what we kind of understand the rules, but we're seeing it, you know, just, Maybe we have a, I don't know, I don't want to go too far into a rabbit right. hole here, but I feel like I, w I would still want it to have some of those familiar elements just drop me into a different era when, you know, before everything that we've seen right now or way after everything we've seen right now. Right. But uh, to just completely say there's no lightsabers, screw the Jedi and the Sith, and here's just a different type of intergalactic space battle story. I don't know. <laughs>
<laughs> is, is that what you're is that what you is is that what you're pining for, Brett? I don't know if it's what I'm pining for, but I think I'd be open to it. Yeah. Blasphemy. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, like I liked the tone of what Ryan Johnson wanted to do. Like what he was doing with The Last Jedi, I didn't mind. I just didn't think it belonged in episode eight of a nine story thing. Like to me, it was like you could right. save that for your trilogy. But like someone with his sort of, if, if if they wanted to take Star Wars in that direction, where it was a little more contemplative, like I, I talk about it all this time, all the time. But like The Last Jedi is an anti-war Star Wars movie. You know, it has a it has a heart. It has something to say. It is more sort of thoughtful sci-fi in a way. And uh, I you know, I would like to see the 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 subject matter approached in the way that Ryan Johnson wanted to do yeah. it. To me, that's more important than than the eras and the lightsabers and things. By me. the way, I just did a quick Google oh, search, and uh, young Yoda is in the High Republic. Ah, there he is. <laughs> so, so it's like now when you go back and it's like, okay, it's gonna be different, but it's like here's a character. No, that here's Yoda. He's yeah. still around, yeah, and now yeah. he's young Yoda, so he's different Yoda. Like, so like, yeah. it, it, is it gonna feel that different, even? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it won't. If, do that, if Yoda's walking out. around, yeah, and we're hearing someone do that Frank Oz voice, it's going to feel like, yeah, oh, here's another. Sort so of I, I don't know. Let's again. see what happens, I guess, right? Let's see what happens. Yeah. But uh, look, while Waldron is working on his Star Wars movie, Sam Raimi is dropping teases that make me excited. I know, Brett, I know you're not a dark man person. I don't even think I know what this is. Oh, wow. Okay. See, this this is your homework, Brett. (laughs) Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson in the early 90s, possibly very late 80s, did a Sam Raimi dark, stressful superhero story. Where he gets like, he's working on this skin, like skin replacement for people who have burns and people who have diseases. And he's working on making these the synthetic skin. And somehow he gets on the wrong side of like a mobster. And they come and they blow up his lab and a lot of his face and body gets melted off. And he has to make skin for this doesn't sound like a very good uh, <laughs> you're not selling me right now i'm not selling this it's all it's, it's skin and fire he plays this dark crazy superhero called dark man okay and he can't he has to stay in the dark because the skin doesn't last too long in the light uh, i'm screwing this up but dark man's really good trust me and yeah, it's sounds Raimi, great. And it's Liam Neeson and somebody I'm, look at a look at a trailer it'll sell you better but All right. Either way, <laughs> Dark Man has always been one of my favorites, right? And I remember like a month ago, Liam Neeson was asked about it. Liam Neeson was asked, like, with all these legacy sequels and stuff happening lately and people returning to old sort of iconic roles they played, would you consider doing a Dark Man sequel? And Liam Neeson said he would certainly like to read the script. He'd be very interested in reading the script for a Dark Man sequel that would, would involve his character. So that piqued my interest a month ago. But I thought... It's Liam Neeson. He'll do anything. <laughs> Have you seen his filmography in the last 10 or 15 years? He'll look yeah. at any. We could write a script this week. And Liam, oh, that sounds rather interesting. Um, <laughs> so the plot thickened this week, though, because while out doing press for Doctor Strange, Sam Raimi was asked about Dark Man. And here's what he said. 
Yes, Universal is talking about a Darkman sequel. There's a producer attached. I haven't heard the story yet or gone into it. I've been so busy with Doctor Strange, but I think it's cool. And he also said that he would love it if, if Liam would come back, obviously. So that, just for me, that, it, that, that excites me. And if you saw Darkman, you'd be excited too. Because you see, it's about the skin and it burns right. off. Anyway. Uh, I guess I I'd have to have thick skin. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but yes, yeah, so for those, for any, am I the only Darkman fan? If you also love Darkman, tweeted me about. No, it. you're you're the guy. I'm. The, it's you. It's you're the one. We have this one audience, the audience of one, and yeah. we're going to give him a legacy sequel. Um, <laughs> but now, before we uh, get to our Doctor Strange spoiler discussion, why yes. don't you go ahead and talk to us about the latest stuff uh, out of this Gotham Knights video game, Brett Miro? Alrighty, so. The developers of Arkham Origins, WB Montreal, have been working on a new game called Gotham Knights. It's uh, It was revealed a few years ago. It was supposed to come out, I think, uh, maybe last year. It got delayed, as everything did because of the pandemic. Um, but today, uh, uh, May 10th, as when we're recording this, there was new gameplay released. Um, and uh, basically, this game, uh, best way to kind of set the, the frame for it. So it is actually not continuing continuing off the arkham series it's kind of its own i guess like universe um but it is a universe in which batman has been killed supposedly i guess mm -hmm. that is kind of where they're going from so the game features uh robin uh our tim drake robin uh nightwing dick grayson jason todd as um red hood and uh barbara gordon as Batgirl. so you can play as one of the four characters it also features two-player co-op um and they showed more gameplay today so the gameplay um looks very much like arkham knight um and the arkham series so if you're into that fighting style it, it very much was giving me those vibes um i do understand the game is a bit more of an rpg though so there is going to be like skill trees and like leveling up and hmm. um i imagine there will be like encounters you have with enemies or bosses where they you might want to get your level to meet theirs um although i in the gameplay today they didn't focus too much on that as they did in the past and i didn't really see like any numbers flying off people or, or enemy levels so i wonder if that could have possibly changed in the last mm -hmm. you know year or so um we do have a release date they announced that in march this year so just a reminder that's october 25th so we'll have it just in time for halloween which is a perfect time uh for a game like this and uh, yeah, the gameplay today was really cool, though. Uh, they showed Nightwing using his um, Eskrima sticks, and uh, that was pretty awesome. He can do a couple of like elemental attacks. Uh, Red Hood, obviously, is uh, a ranged fighter, and uh, he uses non-lethal bullets, guys, non-lethal, um, to take out enemies. So yeah, but it, it, looked, uh, it looked really, really cool. Game looks good. And um, we did have a, a question or a comment from one of our great listeners, Tavo. Um, and part of the announcement today when they revealed this new trailer was that originally this game was going to come out on uh, PS4, Xbox One, and then the new consoles, PS5 and Xbox Series S and X. And they announced today that they will not be releasing them on PS4 and Xbox One. And Tava wanted to know uh, how we feel about that. And um, my opinion here is it's definitely a bummer for those who have not been able to grab a PS5 or an Xbox Series S or X yet. Like me. Um, <laughs> yeah, although I have to say um, they are still tough to get, but they're definitely a lot easier to get than they were like a year ago. 
Um, so I think if you if you really give it a good shot for like a week or two and just like check Twitter and like when there's going to be drops, I, I really feel like you could probably start to land one. Um, they are very expensive though too, so there is also the cost, you know, um, you know, factor to kind of put in there. Not everybody has that kind of money, so it is a bummer for those people. Um, but uh, I think ultimately having to uh, release the game on PS4 and Xbox One um, and have to make the game so that it could scale down to work on those systems ultimately was going to hinder the game. And we've actually seen that quite a bit this generation already. There have definitely been some games. um, A recent one I'll put out there, uh, Horizon uh, Forbidden West, which was the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn on PS5. uh, on PS4, and then they released uh, obviously uh, Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel, but that came out on both PS4 and PS5. And while the game looked and ran amazing on PS5, you could definitely tell um, that they could have went a little further. I think if they didn't have to also make it run on the PS4, the game was very iterative. It was like basically took everything the PS4 original game did and just did it like a little bit better. But yeah. there wasn't any really big sweeping gameplay changes or enhancements. And I think, you know, having to make for the last gen kind of held it back. And I have a feeling that is really what they ran into here. Trust me, more people have PS4s and Xbox Ones right now than the new systems because of the shortage. So they didn't just want to cut off, you know, that that money stream, that revenue stream. There was a yeah. lot of money to be made on there. But I think ultimately they got in there, and especially with trying to incorporate co-op in a big open world game like this, where there's a lot of enemies and a lot of stuff going on, I think uh, it was the right call to make. So it does stink for those that were waiting for that last gen version, but ultimately I think the game is going to be better for it. Um, So, you know, that's just my two cents. You might not agree. You might say, Hey, screw them. They promised that. But um, that that's really, that's really the truth of the matter. When you have to make a game to work on two generations of consoles. And and at this point, the consoles have been out for about a year and a half, almost two years by the time this game actually releases. It's yeah. time to cut the cord. You know, most past generations, we used to have a nice clean cutoff where it was just like, okay, listen, the new system's out. All the new games come out for that. And yeah. I know things have been getting blurry the last two generations just with like the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X and like these like mid-generation console upgrades. Um, so things have gotten a little met, a little like, you know, blurry there. But uh, I, I, for me, I like, I like console generations. I kind of just like when they say, hey, it's done. Everything new is coming out for the new one. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's me. I know some people don't like that, but you know, that for me, it just makes more sense. So you don't have, you know, these, these yeah. hindered versions releasing on the console. So yeah. that is my two cents, Tavo. I hope that answers your question. And I hope you are not one of those people that are burned by this. I am, uh, you know, there's a lot of great accounts on Twitter um, that you can follow. That's actually how I got my PS5. Um, also, I should say, if you're looking for an Xbox Series S or X, they seem like pretty easy to get. Um, it seems like they have more stock available than uh, Sony does with the PS5. And I mean, I got a Series S, no problem. Like, I think you could just go on right now, like log on to any website and get a Series S, which is like the less powerful one, but it runs everything really great. Uh, the X might be a little more trouble, but it seems like those seem to be pretty easy to nab. The PS5 still is, I think, a little tricky. But if you give it a good shot, you follow the right accounts, just follow the drops, you will get one. I believe in you. Thank you. I'm going to take that personally. I hope you believe in me, Brett, because I'm one yeah. of the people who needs to do that sort of thing. Yeah. I want a PS5. I just had every time I've gotten to get one, they're sold out and there's only I got to spend a thousand to get one. So I've been waiting yeah. to get one. And uh, this Gotham Knights thing maybe is just another incentive, another reason, another reminder that it's time for me to just do this already. 
Yes. Um, but okay, so now speaking of doing this already, let's go ahead and have this spoiler discussion here on Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. Because one of the very first things I thought about when the film began was, I feel like this film does require watching WandaVision and stuff. I feel like if you walked into this and you never saw WandaVision, what she does in this movie must confuse the hell out of you. Yeah. You know I mean, mean, this like, was a sequel. This, I, I honestly, this movie felt almost like a sequel to WandaVision more than it did yeah. a Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that was just something that kept jumping out at me throughout the first, like, you know, hour, hour and a half as we're seeing the great depths at which she's willing to go to get America Chavez and how she's basically gone full blown evil, you know, villain. Which I and really appreciated like, that they went for it. Yeah, I, mean, they, no, I, had, they, I had no issue with it. All heel change. <laughs> yeah, I was all in it. But I'm like, if I'm if I didn't watch WandaVision and understand yeah. the full depths of despair that she went through due to the death of Vision and, and the insanity that she did to try to create this ideal, this idyllic fake alternate reality for herself. Like, you know, if you don't know about all that. I feel like the, her heel turn came out of nowhere for you. Yeah, you know, agreed, agreed. Because uh, yeah, you you remember her being sad about Vision dying, uh, vaguely from one of the movies, yeah. but you don't really know what what it the the, the, the psychological toll it took on her. Um, right. But you know, I guess uh, that was one of my first big observations watching it. Um, in terms of like story stuff, I mean, I don't know w what is a what is a spoiler type of opinion that you'd like to share uh, about this movie now that now that it's uh, you're free to do so. Because right. by the um, way, that was my spoiler. Scarlet Witch is the freaking bad guy in this movie. And I yeah, she is not. That. <laughs> like, I th I thought it was going to be more of like a team up with them, but maybe her being like a little wishy washy. Yeah. And no, no, full, full, like full stop. She yeah. is the villain of this movie. She yeah. went full villain, and um, I didn't mind it, but that was that was crazy. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought she crushed it, and I was um amazed with uh how violent uh the movie was. Um, they really like really went for it. You know? Yeah, for like, a Marvel movie, this had the most sort of like gore, most sort of like just terrifying imagery and people dying and heads caving in and exploding and things so, right. can we just jump right to that i gotta talk i guess about i guess we just got, yeah yeah <laughs> let's go to the illuminati scene because that's the one where you and i like started elbowing the hell out of yeah. each other because like okay when i saw the silhouette for agent carter i smiled because i'm like okay we we you know we knew she was yeah. coming I she was kind of teased in the trailer there was like a, was in the more recent like tv spotter trailer there and, was like a shot and i was like oh it's totally yeah. and longtime listeners of this here podcast heard me this is a scoop confirmation i announced on this show like a year and a half ago that she was going to be in the film so seeing her i was like happy about that i love but Haley Atwell. <laughs> oh Haley Atwell. yes yes throw the shield at me okay yes. uh and then as we as we started going around the room though when i saw black bolt first of all i love anson mount from Hell on Wheels, that actor. And now he's in uh, some Star Trek show. And I know he's having a real good time there. I know he had a real bad time on the Inhumans. 
because I know that they were setting up this whole Inhumans universe, and then they just kind of said, "Screw it, never mind." I don't know if you remember all that stuff. There was like a weird thing with it with Marvel TV. He, and Marvel he was on the TV shows. show. Yeah, he played Black Bolt in the oh, Inhumans or in Agents of Shield or whatever. I it never is. watched. Uh, yeah. The Inhumans because it it was supposed to be a, a, an abomination. So yeah. oh, that's even cooler that they cast that him. That made then it even cooler. Black yeah. Black so when I saw they got Anson Mount back as Black Bolt, I'm like, oh, now we, we get to see. I was just like, oh shit, they put Black Bolt in it. I was yeah, like, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Like I recognized yeah. the character, but um, but then the, there was the person next to him that I didn't really care one bit about. But then as we went to the other side of the room and they said, and the smartest man in the world and Reed Richards shows up and it's John Krasinski. John Krasinski. I mean, I freaked the hell out. Yeah. Of you me. and me were we like, were, elbow we were, like we broke each other's rib cages. I'm so glad that that didn't get ruined for me. Yes. I, like that was, that was a legit. Oh my God moment. You know, for me, uh, and for you, but it's like, yeah. you know, that's one of those things that almost feels too good to be true. Because for years, people have been pointing out, whoa, John Krasinski would make for a great Reed Richards. And <laughs> yeah. he's really sort of aged into that role perfectly. Right. And he's married to an ideal Sue Storm in yeah. Emily Blunt. <clears throat> so like, that's the next piece of the puzzle that would be amazing to see happen. Right. And also with John Watts quitting the Fantastic Four movie, which quietly happened in these last two weeks, by the way. Yeah. I feel like that doesn't get a lot of press. For some reason, when Marvel directors disappear from a project, it just happens <laughs> quietly. But right. when a DC director, there's some sort of controversy. It's like, yeah. oh my God. DC's and it's crazy though, because John Watts directed three Spider-Man movies. Let's not forget. Like he wasn't just like on for one movie. Like he yeah. was a big part of the MCU, you know, so said, to speak. You know, I'm out. I've done too much of this. I'm burnt out. Yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but with him stepping out, right? And John Krasinski recently showing what a good director he is via a quiet place. I'm right. like, maybe we go the route of having him direct it and star in it and have Emily Blunt in it. I don't know if I'm just putting too many eggs in the Krasinski <laughs> basket. You but as, be, a, but, yeah. as a The Office fan who knows that he's got the goods, who loves him as an actor, who loves him as a writer and a director, as someone who just... And I know that he came close in the past. He was one of the people in the running to play uh, Captain America before they went with Chris Evans. That's right. That's so right. I'm just happy to see him now. He 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 made it into this world, yeah. and I'm just I'm super super pumped. He's good in Jack Ryan too on Amazon Prime. I only watched the first season, but you know, uh, he's very on my good. List. Yeah, and he's okay. an act. He's he's an act. He can be an action star. He's an action guy. Yeah. He really can. Um, I buy it. I buy it. But then. So I should mention this just, okay. you know, to give yes. a little context, respect the character that you saw that you didn't care about right yeah. away. I believe <laughs> like, that was Monica Rambeau as the Captain Marvel. No, no, no. I, I know who that was. No, there was a oh, dude sitting that. next to Black Bolt who I didn't recognize from a hole in the wall and didn't really? seem to factor in. Or no. was that? I, or Are was you thinking that of um, Marvel? What's his face? Uh, the, the Doctor Strange rival guy. Was it just him sitting no, there? No, not Baron Mordo. Unless maybe I just didn't recognize Captain Marvel at first. and then I think you didn't recognize Captain Marvel at first. Yeah. Okay. That Which is, was a cool nod just because Monica Rambeau obviously was in the Captain Marvel movie with Brie Larson. And then we found out in WandaVision that, uh, yeah. you know, because time had passed, uh, she had passed away of cancer. And her daughter, 
got some powers at the end of WandaVision. Mm-hmm. So we know in the mm-hmm. movies and the Miss Marvel coming out, it's going to be her daughter with Miss Marvel, um, Kamala yeah. Khan and Brie Larson for the, the Marvels. Um, that move, that film coming out, but it was cool to see Monica Rambeau in there because she's like a fan favorite uh, Captain Marvel character. In the yeah, that's so, what it was. You know what it was, it was when they first showed her face with the mask on. I didn't recognize yeah. her, so I'm like, "Who the hell's that?" And I think that was my first uh, impression that stuck with me. But you're right. When yeah. she takes the mask, I'm like, "Oh, they're going with the Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel." Yeah. I see what's going on. But then the big one was, I mean, Krasinski as Reed Richard was the big one. Krasinski was the big one. (laughs) But but honestly, though, even though we knew Patrick Stewart was in it because they had his voice in the trailer, I did not expect to see him in the yellow wheelchair. He was in the full 90s X-Men animated cartoon. Complete with with Down to the suit, the tie, and then the... And then he just rolled out, and I was like, "This is the greatest thing ever." It's happening to me again. I don't know if the camera could pick it up. It sees my burn from Mother's yeah. Day cooking, but nice. I don't know if they could. I've got legit crazy goosebumps yeah. when I heard the, the that gave me chills play. when it played that. I was like, "That was for the old. That was for all the olds in the audience. That, that was, was for us. olds in the audience." And it was such a cool way to like bring everything full circle. Like now. We know this version of Xavier is essentially like the live action extension of that Professor Xavier. He yeah. has that chair, that music as his entrance. And it's like, I, I ooh, th- there's so many 90s babies who flipped the hell out during that moment. And yeah, uh, yeah we were. We I were mean, down to even the the, ment- the 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 hand motions. He did the point. Yeah, and when the he thing. did the. And yeah. then he even did the effect with the little rings. They like literally like did wow. everything about it was from the show, but it yeah. also implies, well, th- see, this implies a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so because another universe, but there's a universe out there where there are X-Men. Yes. Is what we just learned. And there's yes. a universe out there where the Fantastic Four exist. Yes. Um, Cause I, I, as of right now, we don't know that they exist in earth 616. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but that, they exist are... in that one. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if like when they start introducing the X-Men and the fantastic four, if they put them in earth 616, or maybe they do keep like a whole separate universe for some of the other properties and branch yeah. off that way and say, Hey, this universe is this heroes are there. Cause you know, yeah. it's going to be hard to like, if, if, the Fantastic Four, Reed Richards, has to get transported to Earth 616. He's real smart. So, like, he's not just going to be, like, stuck there. Like, he'll find yeah. a way to get back out to his own universe. So, I wonder sure. if they do that and they make, like, a whole nother Earth and offshoot. And that has a whole different set of heroes. And they could kind of branch it off like yeah. that. I would be down. I'd, I'd be down for that. I, also, let's talk handled, about right. Let's talk about the, the Fantastic Four, the John Krasinski suit. Wasn't wild about it. <laughs> Yeah, I I thought the suit looked a little. The suit was a little underwhelming. It didn't seem to fit him too right. He's got a really long torso, but it looked like the belt line was like above his belly button, and like yeah, it just it didn't it didn't sit quite right on him. It looked kind of like a last minute. We found we have this suit from an old concept in the back of the studio lot. Can you fit in this, John? You know. Um, and I wonder though too, because we did hear that there were reshoots and things that kind of got overhauled and, you know, I wonder if like, was he always included or was that something they decided on sort of late in the game? Right. And maybe that's one of the reasons John Hamm left, you know, it's like, I'm trying to reboot 
Fantastic Four here, but now you're kind of like letting John Watts, not John Ham. <laughs> John Ham, sorry. <laughs> uh, John, no. John Watts. John Watts. John Watts. Yeah, imagine. Yes. Let's get John Ham involved too. Why not? I was like no, John Ham. I was like, <laughs> maybe He'd John be a good Watts. Is like, listen, you 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 blew the load on the Fantastic Four here. That was going to be my thing, and now you've already like I don't know, right? But I wonder if if that might have been one of the things that was thrown in there late in the game, you know? Because yeah. that costume definitely didn't seem like the most well conceived, well thought out costume of them all. But real quick about Xavier too. One thing that I liked uh, about bringing him back that it wasn't just empty fan service was there, there there was that subplot there towards the end where no one seems to want to trust this Stephen Strange because of how all the other Stephen Stranges have gone and because of this one's checkered past with breaking the rules and this and that. But the fact that Xavier basically went to vouch for him. And he said that thing towards the end, like, you can't judge a man by his past. And, you know, I trust him essentially. Like it was whatever it was that he said, it hit me because right. that is so true of Professor X. We you know, we've seen Patrick Stewart's Xavier take these gambles. We know that he believes in checkered past mutants, people sure. who on their, you know, who don't seem like all that reliable or based on what they've done in the past, maybe you should write them off. So him going to bat for Stephen Strange in this was like, yeah, that was good. To me, that, that was yeah. up there with like some of the moments between Doc Ock and Toby, you know, and the Toby Maguire, Peter Parker right. in No Way Home, where it's like they didn't just bring him back to make us go, ah, they brought him back to also kind of like honor the character. And in this scenario, yeah. he behaved truthful to what we know of his Xavier. Right. Know? So I did love that. But um, so we should before we I want to definitely more to talk about a lot more to talk yeah. about. But real quick, too. Now, with we'll go back to just Krasinski one more time. Yeah. Like now that they've put him in here as yes. Reed Richards and it's for this universe. Or maybe only this universe. But yeah. now we know they're doing a Fantastic Four movie. Yes. Do you think they have him locked down for that and he's going to be our Reed Richards or I kind of I mean that's how I interpreted it. Is when it, I saw him, I well, took that yeah, as oh, and then just straight up murder him. <laughs> yeah, I mean they did straight up murder him. We're going to get to that part in a sec. Yeah, that I don't want to talk about that next. Um but here's the thing, excuse me if I'm wrong, but in the Marvel universe, it seems like every variant is played by the same actor. Oh no, but I as I said it, I realized I was lying. Because in Loki, the he he met variants who were all the Loki's by Tom don't Hiddleston. Look, yeah. yeah. So I was gonna say, maybe you know, like hasn't Marvel pretty much said that you know, like given the impression that the same actor always plays him, but I guess they could in theory say that the John Krasinski Reed Richards was just one variant and still give us a different actor. But then I think they would piss everyone off because everyone really wanted Krasinski as Richards. Yeah. If you're going to give him, if you're going to give us to give him to us for just what amounted to like under 10 minutes, then right. go to hell with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 I interpreted it as this is the start of his run as Reed Richard. And when, when we finally get his movie, we'll learn more about him, you know, right. and that version got killed off, but we know there's a million versions of these. So, right. you know, that doesn't necessarily uh, ruin me, but now since we're talking about them dying, uh, 
That, and speaking of like things that were kept a surprise, things that were not spoiled for me, thank goodness, was that in the middle of this movie, it becomes like the Suicide Squad. We're like, we're going to introduce you to like five heroes and then we're going to show them all dying one by one over the next few minutes. I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming and I couldn't believe Marvel like, like okayed that. Yes. Like, okay. Crazy. The first one. Okay, she covers Black Bolt. She she takes away Black Bolt's mouth. She does the Matrix thing. Where yeah, they, they get rid of the mouth. And he tries to scream, and when he does, the back of his head like explodes and implodes, and just starts like sagging. <laughs> and he just dies. Then I mean, the the Reed Richard one where she just turns him into a bunch of little like rubbery like rubber strings, like she shredded him, apart. and then like I think like imploded his head or like burst his head. Yeah, that was so sick and dark and crazy. Yeah. Um, and then she just drops a giant statue on Captain Marvel. Uh, she snaps Patrick's Professor Xavier. Professor neck. X almost gets through to save yeah. Wanda yeah. from the Scarlet Witch. And then, yeah, she does like, and she comes out like crazy demon bent style and just snaps his neck and he dies. And I was wondering too, like, I'm like, while, I'm like, while they're in this space, I wonder, are they going to acknowledge the reality where she's Magneto's daughter? Because remember, Magneto right. and Quicksilver yeah. are Magneto's kids in certain, you know, in the, in the, in the X-Men continuity. So I'm like, I wonder if they're going to acknowledge that, but they didn't. But uh, speaking of things, I thought that, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to later things I thought they were going to acknowledge, but didn't. Right. But for now, when we're talking about all the Illuminati being introduced and then killed off one by one, yeah. Uh, was there anything else about that you wanted to comment on? No, I just like I thought it was like super cool that they had them, and then they, yeah, they also had like all the Ultron drone servants. <laughs> yes, yes, which was cool. Um, so then. Yeah, then honestly, then this does sort of give way into the things I thought that they were going to yeah. acknowledge, but didn't. Because there was some stuff from Marvel's What If that I, to me, just seemed like naturally would be leading into this. Or that they were trying to get us believe, get us to believe was leading going to be part of this. By showing those Ultron robots, uh, mm -hmm. look, on the Marvel What If animated stuff, in the one where Ultron is, uh, the, what if Ultron wins in that episode? You know, he takes on Vision's body. He gets that sort of invincible form. He kills Thanos, puts on the Infinity Gauntlet. Right. So you're getting spoilers for that too, everyone. But he basically, <laughs> by the end of that, he's able to break through into wherever it is that the Watcher is able to watch all right. of the different existing multiverses. And what if sort of ends on this cliffhanger of like this super powered, super intelligent, godlike Ultron who now has the power to travel from multiverse to multiverse. So when they showed the Ultron robots, me having seen that, I'm naturally thinking, oh, we're going to meet Super Ultron at some point in the middle of this. Right. And that literally never amounted to anything. Aside from there just being some robots that vaguely resemble him. Then, same thing with the dark, crazy Doctor Strange that we meet right. towards the end. The final variant. When our Steven meets that Steven, 
that Steven in the trailers and, and just in his appearance and in the, the way he, the, the incursion that's happening on his world, he very much looks like the Doctor Strange from What If. And in that one, instead of losing, instead of breaking his hands, he's in the car with Christine and she dies. So he basically goes insane trying right. to create a reality where she lives and going and, and like basically like messing with time and doing all this kind of stuff. And he has to make him, he has to learn all this dark magic and he has to absorb all these powers of all these demonic entities. And he eventually ends up this crazy, dark, powerful wizard. And right. uh, he's like destroyed himself and like the world along the way. So I'm like, oh, wow. So now we're seeing him in live action. But then as the scene wears on, he says, he references Christine asking him, are you happy? And he's like, Christine asked me that at her wedding. I'm like, oh, so, so on this guy's earth, she just got married also. Right. So it, it's not the death in the car. He's not that Doctor Strange at all. And he really did all this because she married someone other than him. Right. Like, I don't know, to me, like, it suddenly made the whole thing kind of like, but why go? How does that help the right. movie? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it could have just been like a, I don't know, that it, to me, it felt like the, the almost like what happened with WandaVision, where like they brought back the Aaron Peters Quicksilver to give us the impression something was going to happen. And then they called him Philip Boner and it ended up just being a joke. There was stuff here where they were like trying to misdirect us into thinking that the yeah. Marvel what if stuff was going to factor in a lot more than it actually ended up doing, you know? And I just didn't quite get that decision. Yeah. You know, that just kind right. of irked me. Um but uh, all right, can I talk to you about what I hated about the end of there? The end of that, yeah, movie? yeah, please, please. So, we know Scarlet Witch has been trying to get America Chavez for you know the entirety of this film, right? And now she finally has her there on that like altar thing, surrounded by the four big ogre guys. And we see her start to do the thing where she's like sucking the white power force like out of her, right? Right, but then. Something happens where, like, uh, we see Wong down the cliff and the ogres go over to deal with him. And while that's happening, I think there's even a cutaway to what's going on with Doctor Strange elsewhere. Right. And when we get back, Scarlet Witch isn't, isn't even, like, facing Chavez anymore. She's over by the door. And then she just walks back just in time now for the heroes to right. screw up her plan. And I'm just like, it, with all the minutes, all the time, everything had passed, it's like, it to me, it just felt like cheap and crappy and forced. And it was yeah. dumb villains doing dumb villain things. There was some weird editing. Like I said, like, yeah, like you said, like the timing seemed like weird, like yeah. time passed between some of the cuts. And then also like, like, yeah, you make like a good point there. Like you saw how like easy it was for Wanda to just dispatch people. I mean, she yeah. straight up murders like yeah. a lot of people like with ease, you yeah. know, she speaks first of all, the whole Illuminati who are like super powerful. She just like makes mince me to them. Mm -hmm. Then she wrecks everyone at, um, Karamata was it? Uh, Kamar Kamartage. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kamartage. She's like just wrecking people. And then like, she just like, you know, like, like when she's fighting Wong, like it just doesn't, she doesn't kill him. Like why? Or like takes yeah, too long. Yeah. And then she has to do like her long villain speech thing. And like just some stuff like that, where it's just like, you were just dispatching people like that. And yeah. now like, you're going to just like 
wait just for dramatic pause so something else could happen. Like it you could have literally, she could have ended everybody in two seconds. Like I know there there was really no struggle that needed to happen at the end there. Yeah. And America Chavez seemed like such like she was like just like a weird like not a MacGuffin but just like a weird plot device like. I also thought yeah. the actress was kind of like. Eh. I was going to say that, that that's exactly what very, I was about eh. to say. It, the yeah. acting was very subpar on her end, and I hate to say that because you know she's a Latina and it's. A, I don't think know, she had good. much to work with anyway. To be fair, and it like wasn't her film. It was just like yeah. It was just one of those things. Where it's like we need to stick her in there because she's going to be important later. And it was like it had some of that. Um, you know, some of the stuff that. Uh, I know you've come around on Iron Man too, but like some yeah. of the things that dragged Iron Man two down for me, I felt like were very present in this. Like this, this felt like a sequel to WandaVision and um, a setup for things to come. And Doctor Strange just happened to kind of be in the middle of it. It didn't necessarily even feel like his movie. He was just there. Like it almost felt like how he was in No Way Home, <laughs> you know. But like yeah. he, like it, it was. He had a little more screen time. Yeah, than like that. she was like, the main hero. She was the main person we had to be worried about through most of it, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it was just uh I mean, by the way, we should just talk real quick. I loved that scene when they were flying falling through the multiverse with all like the yes. like, rapid changes. I yes. thought that was tremendous. Um, hey, every time they really... did that, every time we got a chance to rapid fire see a bunch of different earths and yeah. then they land on yeah, you know, like I, I I love all that stuff. And, it was very, yeah. very cool. Like, yeah, the visuals were stunning in the movie, you know what I mean? Um, aside from uh and I, I alluded to this earlier, right? But like the especially in the first like i want to say the first like third of the movie the it was very obvious like when they were on like a back lot or like on sets and like the lighting just wasn't good and like it's it it also seemed like to me it felt like there were a lot of scenes where like the actors definitely weren't acting with each other like they were definitely like acting by themselves and then it was edited in with like green screen like just some of the way the shots were cut i was like i don't think yeah. they filmed the scene together and it it if you felt it like it was stilted some of the dialogue um yeah like there was a part on the rooftop like early on in the in, in the in the in the film and that like i was like this it's like not even lit well it looked it reminded me of um in the theatrical cut of justice league you remember <laughs> the scene with batman and like how bad that rooftop looked and it looked like really yeah. like, corny like someone built and all it. the colors like, are just artificially boosted it and it just looks school, weird like movie set like a, like a yeah. place you know like for a theatrical high school yeah. production yeah like i got that a lot in this um and uh and like we said the wigs were pretty awful um yeah throughout See, i uh, can't help but feel like it's like a weird Raimiism. ism like since he comes from like smaller low budget movies like i've noticed that in his films he likes when they look a little sort of hyper stylized and not yeah. necessarily the most beautiful and perfect. You know, like I remember that was one of the things that was interesting about like the transition from Spider-Man one to two, like in Spider-Man one, you got the sense that he was being very by the books. He was being a, a he, he, he turned in a very sort of um, safe studio superhero movie. But sure. in two, when he kind of was given a little more leeway now that he had this massive hit and he could bring some of his evil dead type stuff to it, that's where you had the quirky stuff of like Peter Parker walking in slow motion with glasses and raindrops keep falling on my yeah. head. And like weird close-ups of the uh, scientists in the lab when Dr. Octopus's arms is killing them and they're looking directly into the camera and it kind of like 
breaks the fourth wall and all, you know, like when Raimi's left to his own devices, he likes when things look a little like weird and garish and oh yeah, overstyled. I mean, that was you know? like very in this movie, but I, I go somewhere. I just think the, the effects budget was probably through the roof and they were like, yeah. they had to cut somewhere. Yeah. Well, actually you mentioned something really quick. Um, we should talk about too. How uh, cool was it when uh, Wanda <laughs> broke the fourth wall? Yeah, when she, yeah, yeah, yeah. When she took yeah, over, she dream walked into the other Wanda, and then she looks at the camera like, uh huh. Yeah, and then she looked at us, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. that was that was a nice little touch. Um, yeah. It was very cool. And uh, you know, of, also, like, I was going to say, like, quick the 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 cape, uh, Doctor Strange's cape, yeah, very much like. I, I kind of like that it, it operates independently, but it yeah. very much started to feel like the magic carpet from Aladdin. Like it was a little <laughs> too Disney slapsticky in this. Um, yeah. And it was like, yeah, I thought right, that now in the first one though, too. And it didn't look in, good either. CG wise. Yeah. Something that I thought that like th they were going to mention that I thought was kind of cool, but then ultimately didn't get any kind of play is that when he gets the hole in the Cape, and they have him there at the Illuminati sort of headquarters or whatever. When he gets it back, they mention that they patched it. You notice it's a blue fabric. Yes. And we saw that on that earth, Doctor Strange had a blue cape, not a red cape. So yes. they patched his cape with the other doctor's cape. Ah, you know what I mean? Very, so I kind of thought that was interesting. I even thought that might play in somehow, yeah. having a little bit of that other doctor. Yeah, but just didn't amount to it was just a visual thing that you might have noticed you know they also um by the way the illuminati executed him like they oh. executed somebody so like yeah. they don't fuck around no. <laughs> like black bolt like just it evaporated him from existence yes sorry yeah he was like i'm sorry yeah yeah um then I, I got a comment on Bruce Campbell. Thank you, Sam Raimi, for bringing <laughs> Bruce Campbell into this yeah. and then having him beat the hell out of himself for three weeks. <laughs> for three. And then we come back after the credits and he gets one last punch and he goes, it's over. And then yeah. Yeah, that's when the movie ends. That was, that was really the good. idea of like you and I started laughing in theaters. Like what I, I want a, a Disney plus spinoff of what those three weeks were like imagine he had a lot of important things to do during he had to go to the weeks. bank and he's he has just... to go to the bank he has to go to like you know somebody's funeral he has to go to a wedding <laughs> he has to go and he's just constantly he has his feeding. daughter's recital <laughs> you know yeah i just i i that just got me i thought that, that was, was very hilarious. good um who is charlie theron playing Okay, I looked this up. It's okay. someone named, I think, S Sarah, and she is apparently. That's it. Hang on, I was. I'm waiting over here for some kind of like crazy superhero. No, nah, I think it's like C E R A. It was like Sarah or something. Sarah. So oh. she is a love interest of Doctor Strange's from the comics. Oh. Um, okay. but she's also she's the she's Dormammu's niece. Oh, or something like that. Um, from what I understand. Okay. Um. So yeah. So and like she's also. So like I guess that's setting up like, his third portraits. movie in some way. Okay. Yeah. So I guess and then um we should talk the third eye. So I also did a little research into the third eye because remember the mid credit sequence has uh, so we, we we should go back. So the evil Doctor Strange had a weird third eye. We were like, yes. oh, it means he's really evil. So yeah. anyway, so then <laughs> our Doctor Strange 
in the mid credit sequence just goes out for a nice stroll in New York. And then that scene was very, it was done very awkwardly. Like he's yeah. just like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> it's just like the acting was very weird. And then it ends. And then, and then it yeah. just, I popped out and it ends. So I looked, I did a little more research into the eye thing. Um, so in the comics, the eye is actually the eye of Agamotto, which is what he wears around the cape. And it was mm-hmm. the time stone. And I believe he still has it. It was reconstructed now. So he has the eye of Agamotto. So there's like some point in the comics, I guess, where like, I don't know, he hits like some level of transcendence and like the eye of Agamotto becomes in him and that gives him the third eye. And then he can like see through disguises and stuff like that. So I've said, I've seen some stuff that like, um, that might've just, uh, been like him just like leveling up basically. And now he has the third eye. Um, but also in this one, it appears to be different that he got the third eye from using the dark hold, uh, mm-hmm. not from the eye of Agamotto. So it could just be like a little change they made just for the films or whatever. Yeah. But um, someone mentioned that it could be important because if they do indeed move towards like the secret wars and the scrolls, which like, I think, you know, they've introduced the scrolls. Yeah. So and like, Captain I Marvel. would think they're going to do some shit with that now. Um, yeah. That could be very important because he will be able to see through the imposters um, with the hmm. third eye. So I don't think because I was concerned if it made him, it meant he was turning evil, and I don't think that's the case. I just think yeah. he has like a new power, and like the stone, like the power of the Ayabagamata or the Darkhold is now like in him, and he just has like a new power. Uh, that's kind of what it is. It was it was very weird and jarring, though. yeah, <laughs> like not explained. And I guess I'll have to wait. You know. <laughs> so where does this leave you with anticipation for a Doctor Strange three? Are you looking forward to it, and are you hoping Raimi returns for it? Yeah. So it, yeah, it looks like right with, with when Sarah or whatever it is, I think it's Sarah showed up. Yeah. Like when when Charlize Theron showed up, um, <laughs> she uh, you know cut uh, like a space time hole. And then she was like, you got to help me stop this incursion. And he was just like, I don't know who you are, but okay, fine. And like, he was just very ready to go do that with the stranger. I thought that was kind of weird too. But anyway. Well, it's Charlie so, Theron, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's like, oh, Charlie Theron. All right, I'm in. Um, so, you know, they're going to go stop an incursion. So it looks like his next adventure will still involve the multiverse. So yeah. I think that's like a fun thing if they do all the really wacky, crazy shit. And Doctor Strange is the wacky, crazy shit guy. Um, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily mind if Sam Raimi comes back, but I I do think like I'm torn because like I I like his style and I loved like the horror elements and like a lot of that stuff was done really great, but just you know like he said some of his Sam Raimi isms like the slapstick sticky kind of stuff the, cre- and- uh, the, the one liners I mean yeah. Rachel McAdams probably had to go take a shower. Right after she filmed the line, I'm going to send you back to hell. As she shot one of the demonic things. Like, he definitely brings a certain amount of like schlock and cheese, which I'm surprised. And and that's like his thing. It is. That's his thing. But like, they would just linger on the one liners too long. And there were a lot of like weird lingering shots with people like looking like (laughs) just too long, like off screen. Like, you know, like, like just like, you know, have one of those like moments where they're like pensive. Yeah. But then, like, it should have been, like, two seconds and then cut. But then they left it there for, like, four seconds. And, like, even the actor looked uncomfortable. Like, do I just, <laughs> like, keep, do I just keep holding my face and looking this way? Like, it, yeah. it really, like, read that way. So, like, I yeah. feel like if they could pull some of that back. Because, like, tonally, it kind of just felt off. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, we – listen – uh, we can we don't want we don't want every Marvel movie to be the formula and the same. We complain about that all the time. But the fact is it is a part of this 
big shared thing and there needs to be a little tonal consistency. If they pulled away some of that schlocky stuff and just kept the horror elements in, I think it really could have stood out and been different in a good way, but still fit in with like just the way the rest of the movies kind of go. But yeah. I, I think some of the stuff was like a little, it was a little too much. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So like, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them back, but I think they got to like rein in some of that stuff a little bit. Rain um, in the Raimi. I got yeah, you. rain in the Raimi. Um, or, but maybe listen, maybe you don't rain in the Raimi, and then you you know because that then why do you even have Sam Raimi? Yeah, that's true. And that's and true. oh, we should just talk to the final thing, and then we should probably wrap this up. But yeah. do Scarlet Witch at the end uh, looks like she killed herself, but we don't see a body. So that's always the golden rule in movies. We didn't see a body; we just saw her get crushed by rocks. Yeah, and she's also like a eldritch god <laughs> so at this point so like do you think do you think she's done like she's dead there's no more scarlet witch well do you I think that was feeling, like the end of her storyline i have Olsen's a feeling done? like at the end of whatever this next big arc is whatever their next end game level event is i think she may show up as like a deus ex machina there as like some you know what i mean like as some as someone there to help the good guys win and redeem her in some way I right. feel like we're probably not going to see her anymore for a while, but she's right. going to reappear in some big key strategic moment to kind of redeem her actions from this movie. Sure. I don't sure. think they're going to have her go out as a villain. She's going to go out as, you know, she's going to see the light in some way. That's kind of right. my, uh, that, 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 that's my prediction. But sure. uh, on that note, I think you're right, Brett. I think it is officially time to bring episode 149 of the Fanboy Podcast home. If you would like to have a question or topic covered on this show uh, any time in the future, please be sure to email thefanboypodcast at gmail.com. And if you're looking right. for Brett and I over on the Twitter, I am at Superman on Film, and Brett is at SuperBrettCon. And uh, that, that's it for us, folks. If you have not yet, please like, rate, and uh, review the show and tell all your friends about it because it is an awesome show. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. And until next week, be kind. Stay fanboy. Adios.